Good morning, buenas tardes, whatever time or wherever you may be when you're listening to this. Welcome and thank you for being here. I'm here to bring you people from various backgrounds, authors, actors, educators, athletes, politicians, and more. People that I think are interesting and hope you will too. Today we have yet another special guest. She's a soccer journalist, podcaster, and producer. You can find her on Footmex Nation, the Mexican soccer show, and our football podcast. She's been interviewed on Football with Grant Wall, The Cooligans, and Telemundo Deportes. A kick-ass mom and someone I have a lot of fun going back and forth with on Twitter. I guess I'd go as far as calling her my Twitter mom. My friend, Amelia Lopez. Sit back, relax, or listen while on your morning jog. I'm Alex Satarain, and this is episode two of Candidly Human. Welcome to Candidly Human. I am your host, Alex Satarain. As always, very excited to be here with all of you. Episode two, we've made it to our second episode. The first was with Todd Goldberg. If you haven't checked it out, go to candidlyhuman.com. Our trailer and the podcast itself is on there. You could also check it out on just about every streaming platform. Your favorite streaming platform, go look up Candidly Human. We should be right there. But again, very excited to be here. A very special guest, as always, on here. Amelia Lopez is quite the interesting person because I've known her for a few years, as you'll be able to listen to here on the podcast. And I've met her through some events and through some uh, mutual colleagues in the soccer journalism industry. And through my experience, being able to meet her and her group of direct colleagues, people that she works with every day now. It's been quite a fun ride. And Amelia, she graduated from USC. Now she does work with Footmex Nation, the Mexican Soccer Show, our football podcast, the latter being a women's soccer podcast. In our hour or so of conversation, we touch upon her work, her raising two young, awesome boys, We also talk about speaking Spanish and how important it is for us in the Latin American and Hispanic cultures to be able to speak it, but also have that support to speak it because sometimes we get made fun of and stuff like that. So those are all topics that we touch upon. And I know all of you are going to find her just as interesting as I do. She's someone that I respect immensely. So make sure you buckle in for this. She is a lot of fun. Without further ado... Let's get candid with Amelia Lopez. Okay, Amelia, what's up? How you doing? It's it's so awesome to have you here. What's up, man? I'm, I'm excited to be the second guest on this pod. As I do on every single pod that I'm on, I just want to preface this by saying my children will, in fact, probably interrupt this. Before I used to say they might interrupt. No, they're definitely going to interrupt <laughs> at some point. I'm in the room that doesn't lock. So I did put something to block it, but they'll make their way in here. But either way, I'm, I'm excited to have this talk with you. Well, you know that I do encourage them coming in. You know, uh, Jack and Ollie, your, your two boys, I'm actually really excited for the prospect of them coming in within the next hour or so to go ahead and, you know, jump in on the conversation. Maybe they add a, you know, a little tidbit of their life, something deep that our listeners can uh, leave uh, thinking about. 
Yeah, there's nothing as provocative as Amy. I can't beat this level in this game. Please help me. <laughs> I mean, we've all been there, right? Like we have to ask somebody that's older and be like, can you please help us? At least they ask for help. But the thing is that makes it so complicated is that like I stopped understanding video games probably whenever Halo came out. Like I oh. was like, I don't. Oh. Yeah, no, I'm serious. <laughs> I don't have shame in that. I like saw Halo. I saw the control and I was like, nah, I'm gonna go play N64 <laughs> for the rest of my life. <laughs> so then like he'll come and like ask me like, Amy, I can't beat this game. I'm like, dog, you're asking the wrong person. Like, I'm sorry. It's, it's just me. Like, we, we'll figure this out together. <laughs> Well, at least you're learning together and you're willing to help. I mean, you guys are, it's a symbiotic relationship, right? Like, oh, he knows the sure. game. He knows the game. Maybe he needs a little bit of help. And now you're learning and you're that figure. Obviously, you're their mom, but that figure they respect to get them over the, the hump, you know, like just get over respect to Respect used very loosely in this, in this context. <laughs> <laughs> so you listened to the first episode with Todd. And so you already know that a very disarming question is coming mm -hmm. up and this question is coming because i had this <laughs> i had this happen to me recently so okay. i'm gonna ask you have you ever walked into or used the wrong bathroom yes but like on purpose no, i guess just just by accident or if you feel like there's one that you have a good story of using one on purpose then go for it i mean i think as i think women constantly just go into the wrong bathroom all the time like there's a line sure. for women's bathrooms on a consistent basis i mean now, now they're becoming gender neutral so it's not like a huge mm -hmm. thing but yeah whenever there's like too big of a line or something i'm just like i'm going to go to the other one there's really no <laughs> difference but when you mean like the wrong bathroom is that what you meant or like you just walked in like, like just walked well, in by accident and just kind of realized like oh I, you're in too deep no so no, I can't think of somebody else at the top of my head, but this is, and, and I, I say this with a smile on my face because if I ask my classmates now, and I haven't seen them in years, if I ask these two people, they'll know exactly the moment I'm talking about. So back in the day, there was this thing called Avid. I don't think it exists anymore. Uh, yeah, I know Avid. I, I think they still have it. Do they? Yeah. yeah so basically so. Avid is just like, let's get all the poor and disadvantaged children and put them in the class and and but like specific it's it's actually really terrible in context but whatever it was like a club but it was like for disadvantaged children to be able to get their sat tests paid for etc cetera, etc cetera, whatever so we had an avid teacher and you stayed with that teacher all four years so every summer we would have like a barbecue at his house and like we would go and hang out like high schoolers you know whatever so, so i had to go to the bathroom and I, this has always been me. I just carry my phone everywhere. But even in the context of like, what, 10 years ago, 10, 12 years ago, right? Like, mm -hmm. I still just carried my phone everywhere. So I had to go to the bathroom and I was using my phone while I was in the bathroom, but I forgot to lock the door. <laughs> and my, my two classmates tried to open it, but they still laugh about it whenever I see them at like reunion and stuff, because I didn't even look up. I was just like focused on my, on my phone. <laughs> so I just heard the door open. I just quickly closed it. And then I just like kept kept doing like whatever I was doing. And they just started cracking up outside. So I was like, what's so funny? You know, and I was just so focused on what I was doing that I didn't even put two and two together. And they're like, dude, you just like didn't even pay attention. They're like, you just kept going and just completely closed the door. So I think of one where I walked in, but I'm always like really focused. And that's where I realized like I definitely tune things out when I'm on my phone um, because like even a bathroom thing doesn't phase me. Yeah, it's like selective hearing, but to the extreme form when you're on your phone. Yeah. Yeah, 
like completely yeah so no, that, it's that's not that funny. funny but that was the first one that popped into my head no that's really funny and at least that's a story that you can hold together for like years and years and years and even your classmates enjoy it so i i love that uh my story this happened to me a few weeks ago actually uh no it happened to me last weekend time is a myth at this point that's what i like like i like when it comes to like games and stuff i'm like was that yesterday or was that like a week ago like every <laughs> it doesn't matter anymore everything just feels blurred into one so it was like three years ago yeah know? yeah so so in covid years it was like 12 years ago but really it was just right. a week ago and mm -hmm. for context we are at an event in in la so a uh, lincoln area and we had a okay. i mean it was a, a celebration of life right so we go to this private high school and I go to the bathroom the first time and I go into the men's and I'm like, okay, men's bathroom. I know where it's at. And it's, it's one of those entrances where on the right is your women's bathroom and the left is the men's and they have the signs like on the wall. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, I remember okay. where each one is. And before we leave, I tell Leslie, my wife, I'm, I need to go to the bathroom, you know, just in case. And I go ahead and walk to the restroom area and i see open door i'm like open door i go into door i go to bathroom so i go and i take up one of the stalls <laughs> yes man open door bathroom, <laughs> bathroom now. <laughs> now so i go ahead and go into a stall and as i'm you know doing my business i hear the sound of like either like hard like men's shoes or heels but i'm like that sounds very like poignant like really like yeah. I can hear the point of a heel. Yeah. I'm like, okay, this, this chick is probably in the wrong bathroom. I had, ha ha, sucks for her. You, you know, <laughs> what's wrong with yeah. people? Do they not know, read signs? Like, Who is this idiot? Well, it ends up, I was the idiot. Cause I walk out of the stall and I notice no urinals. And I'm like, uh, wait, but you didn't notice <laughs> no, that when because you again, it's because you said bathroom now open door bathroom now you know so i'm just i just go straight in and just do my business and i walk out notice there's no urinals and i'm like oh snap but did anybody see you no but there was somebody else the woman with the heels was in another stall but i was able to get away pretty quickly so ah. there was like no so yeah but saw i saw me you know you know, and now you're sharing with us, but nobody saw you. My story was better. I'm already, it's over. I, I it's it's that. over. This is this is done. <laughs> You've beaten me. Yeah, but that was it. Was one of those moments where I'm like, I totally just did that, and I think I told my wife. I don't even think I I told her at the table because I was just like, oh my goodness, I totally did that. No, but I did. I I ended up telling her right there. You know what? I kind of sympathize with you now because there there is that right. There's like stories that are embarrassing and you almost want to keep them with you but you're like I, I think I have to share this because somebody else I think as humans we're so reactive we're so it, we're so inclined to have somebody's reaction to something most of the time right there's things that we just like hold ourselves obviously but there's things that we're like I know nobody saw this I know a tree fell but I need to go tell somebody else that this tree <laughs> fell or else it didn't happen the way I want it to yeah it's it's like one of those things where um you didn't really go to the gym unless you posted it on Instagram, right? Exactly. You know, that, that's just yeah. how it works. So I did, I could have just been like, no, I've never done that. And people would have believed me, but I, I felt 
I I was compelled to tell the story because I'm You're compelled. I, I I needed to get it off my chest because it's embarrassing, but it's also really funny. And and in life, you have to be able to laugh at yourself once in a while, right? True, true. That's very yeah. true. Also, you asked this question deliberately because you had your own story to tell for this, so you definitely felt <laughs> impulse to share. I I did. I, it was a little bit selfish of me. It's okay. It was. St- it's still pretty funny though. But nobody caught you. It would have been funnier if like you noticed if somebody noticed or like no, you know what would have been perfect is if like you're walking out and you think like okay i got away with this and then like another like woman just like passes right by you and just like what are you doing like that would have been better but or you know maybe the lady saw saw my shoes or something and when she left she recognized my shoes and it's like haha idiot oh that too oh that, no that's better you know what that's better even if you shared it you don't know whether or not she knows that's yep. actually better yep so it's it's a mystery now and i have no idea who the lady was so now she has her own story of like i just there was this dude in I the think, stall, you know? or she could. She can also be like, I think there was a there was a dude in the bathroom right now. Yeah, yeah. It, it it could be. It could be. It was. It, it's a mystery. What we may never know. Unexplained. Hmm. Or maybe she's already a big like super fan of this, and she'll be like, Oh, that was him, because I saw him. Was that Alexanderine from Candidly Human in the bathroom? <laughs> I know. It's like she she might be starstruck now. It's like she 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 knows she can relate. That I'm, I'm talking about her. Yeah. She was waiting for this episode to find out whether or not you knew that she knew. <laughs> I know. Now now we're going to have to go on like an episode of like Mari or something and, and try to settle all of this. Oh, you got a kid but, up here somewhere or what? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, you, you never know. That's Nowadays it just, it just happens. <laughs> so it, it's really funny because it, we've known each other for a few years, although we may have not like – hung out together very much i think you've almost in fought total. at some point too i know i mean you probably would have been able to kick my ass right Maybe. like that i Maybe. mean you have mom power Maybe. that that's that's the difference it's true it's very true so yeah i have a few inches on you but that mom power like puts you over the edge and you would totally like just choke hold me and put me out in like two seconds true you know what's really funny about yeah. that people don't realize just how short i am until like they actually have to stand right next to me I think I've, <laughs> I think I've deliberately so I'm I'm five nothing so one time what you know speaking of sharing things candidly one time I went to the doctor and they said I was 411 and I nearly died I was like no 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 I was like no one time one time only I would they were like okay 411 I was like I'm sorry what I was like huh so like, <laughs> there's one time and I'm like, dang, I'm too short. But I think I've involuntarily or like unconsciously, it's the right word, always like stood a little bit farther away from taller people just so like I don't have mm. to uh, like they don't have to and I don't have to feel the impact of just how short I am. Like my kids are already <laughs> half of me and they're five and seven. And I'm like, I, I feel bad for them. They have a short mom. Look, my wife is 4'11". And like three quarters, no way. she tried. Three yeah, quarters. she 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 tries to give herself the five feet, and I'm like, nah, girl, you're not five foot. You you don't you don't get to come up here. You, you're not invited to the club, you know. But I I think it's really funny because for shorter people, I totally get that. And I'm, I'm average, I, slightly above average, right? Like I'm. You're his. You're Hispanic tall. You're Latinx tall. Exactly. Exactly. So I, for many years, thought I was five eleven, and I have like that that ego where i'm like oh man i wish i was six foot i'm that close right and because i'm skinny i could tell somebody i'm six foot and they would not say anything right like they'd be like 
Oh, yeah. And you're right there anyway. Yeah. But the last time I went to go to the doctor like a few months ago, they're like, you're 5'10". And I'm like, really? <laughs> See? Right? Right? It's that like... It's that like that. It's that feeling of wait, wait, wait. Are you sure? Are you like you almost feel compulsed to like like <laughs> straighten up a little bit? Like you know, there's yeah, no way. Exactly. But then I I kind of thought about it, and I just have always wanted to be six foot. But now I don't feel that pressure, right? I'm like, I'm not as close as I thought I was. So now I'm like, because I'm a little bit further, I'm like, you know what? I can live with this. So because we've known each other for this while and even though we've only seen each other a few times i think what the first time i think we actually met was in san diego yeah it's only only game days yeah you're a game you're a you're a strictly game day colleague yeah strictly game game day and nothing else anything more and it's like overkill right like yeah we we can only take doses of each other at a time (laughs) if i see you at like the grocery store i'm just gonna completely ignore you and be like nope like this isn't the game. I'm sorry. Just take, just leave the basket and just go to another store. It's like I'm not doing this. <laughs> and you know what, Ollie? I'll buy your toy somewhere else. Let's go. I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> but don't you feel that way though? Don't you feel that it's like it's like meeting Twitter people in real life too? Well, I mean, not as much anymore. But maybe Instagram. Maybe Instagram's a new Twitter. Like if you know somebody that you follow on Instagram, you're like, oh. I mean, I, I watch your stories every day, but yeah. yeah, it's it's a little bit awkward. But I do personally, I do get a little bit excited for game day because I get to see obviously like you, Cesar, Tom, Weasel, like I mean, all of your like direct colleagues that you work with all the it's time. It's like summer camp. Game day is always like summer camp. I think that's why I miss it so much sometimes. Like I just there's something really fun. I mean, you're there working, obviously, but there's mm-hmm. just some there's just something about it. It's the whole thing. It's like summer camp, right? It's like getting your press pass. It's, you know, getting to the stadium, seeing all the fans. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, I'm gonna get sad just thinking about it right now. We're closer, but it's it's been a long time. And speaking of getting closer, so I might I might just like fall asleep mid interview because okay. but it would just be be it would be me like updating to getting my 5G because I got my second dose today congratulations thank you thank you so i i'm by the end of this episode i should be like totally updated like the system update so we'll hear done. we'll hear we'll hear like the 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 like apple sound like when wally like recharges yeah exactly like the ding, and we'll know it's because now you're fully yep in the database of whatever database you need to be in exactly it'll either be that or it'll be like I don't know, you've got mail, which would make no sense, but <laughs> nothing makes sense nowadays. So who knows? I guess we're about to find out, right? As long as yeah. I get that 5G, we're all good. How do you feel, by the way, since you've technically gotten the second dose? Because my dad, I, I think you saw this online. My dad got his first dose on Wednesday and I'm, I still have to wait. Like, I don't know when I'm going to be able to get it. I don't mind waiting at all. But there was something about being able to schedule that appointment for my dad and like knowing he had already gotten it that I like, I, I like there was a there was like a wait even from even mm-hmm. if it's not for me, it's for him. I was just like, oh, okay, so how do you feel with both of the doses now? So the first one actually like knocked me out a little bit, just sleep. My arm mm-hmm. was really sore. I mean, it was nothing bad. Uh, so far, so good on the second one, but I'm going to knock on wood because later on today is probably when it's going to knock me out. And uh, yeah. my wife already got her second dose and it got her good. Like she had the chills and all that. So watching her, I'm like, oh, damn. And today, okay, I, today I have another story in, in regards to just getting my shot. 
So okay. last time that I went, I went to the same place that I got the first time. So mm-hmm. last time they had this whole setup that was really cool that uh, once you registered and you were in, got all your paperwork done, they would then send you directly to the table where they would actually give you the uh, vaccine. Right. And you actually had to walk like 20 to 30 yards to whichever table, like from checking in to, to the table. This time mm-hmm. you checked in and they actually had you waiting next to the table. So they would have like little like socially distanced lines right there next mm-hmm. to the table. Okay. And so as they were giving the shot to the guy in front of me, I made the mistake of watching. Like I, like I didn't, I just couldn't look away. Are you scared of needles? I hate needles. And the first time it really? didn't, yeah, it didn't feel like all that bad the first time around. Mm-hmm. And I swore it wasn't even that long, but then I okay. looked at it this time around and I'm like, Oh my goodness. And I even told them, I'm like, I made the mistake of watching you guys. And they told me like, they actually got longer needles this time. And I'm like, Oh no. Why? Oh, oh, you feel scared. Bring out the big ones. Like <laughs> it, it, they, they were just messing with me and it was really funny. But also, I was just, I, I was kind of scared shitless. Like, let, let's be real. Wow. Like, I, but I, I put on a brave face. I got a cool little Band-Aid. I mean, it's just a regular one. Like, you know, skin tone. You can see it right there. Aw, look at you. Yeah, I know. I'm a big kid, and, and I got it, and now I'm good. And I'm going to have, like, internet access wherever I go. This is, this is legit. It is. It is. Uh, <laughs> the point I was going to try to make, though, is because we've known each other and like through Twitter mainly, even though uh-huh. again we haven't been able to see each other all that often in person, I've yeah. always thought of you as like a Twitter mom, like my Twitter mom almost. Because like oh there, there are times where like I feel like you keep me in check. I scolded <laughs> you one time, deservingly so. I still stand by that. I, I mean, I wasn't I wasn't trying to be offensive, but I get it. So it wasn't it. It wasn't an attempt to be like that, but I can see where where it went wrong, and I I apologize for that. Wait, maybe we're talking about different things now. Was it the time that you were going all fangirl over a certain thing, or no? Oh, no, well, I mean no. that too. That was that, the, that was the time I was referring to no. that you were yeah you got the, scolded. I can't remember the, the other time. There though. was the other time. I think it was at the Rose Bowl. It was at the Rose Bowl when when you had just gotten back from, you had dropped off your brother at school, okay, and then you went straight to the game. It was a Gold Cup. It was a Gold Cup uh-huh. game. Um, okay. uh, oh no, it was his graduation. His he graduation. Had just graduated from UC Santa Barbara. There we go. Mm-hmm. So it was it was that day, and I I said something, and I think you were just not having it that day. Because uh-huh. you had a long day, obviously. Like, you're driving between L.A. and Santa Barbara, and then you have your boys, and you have game day. And I'm just there. Like, I say, like, it wasn't even, like, an attempt to be, like, it was, like, me, like, playing around, right? But uh-huh. because you weren't having it that day, I could tell, like, okay, Amy, Amy's not in the mood. And I think I just, like, kind of perpetually, like, pissed you off for, like, a set amount of time. Oh my god, I'm so no. I'm legitimately so sorry. See, no. this is the thing about so it's kind of funny that you talk about it like Twitter moms or something, right? It's like you don't know what you'll do to impact somebody or something, right? So like I like like what what did I what did you tell me? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but I feel like I said something that I'm like, okay, I kind of understand. Like even if I don't remember exactly what it was, I can see why. Oh, are we having an appearance? 
<laughs> See, I put something on the door. He's getting mad. <laughs> what is it? I need help. Help with what? <laughs> There's a reason those were there. You finessed it. It took him longer than expected. I thought it was going to take <laughs> less time. There's some things that you think about as a mom that you're like, I'm not going to do that because I don't want to conform to social norms, right? But mom's having nails is very beneficial. And I don't realize that until I don't have nails. And I'm like, damn it, why don't I have long nails like other moms do? And, and you know what? I'm I'm not, I don't have any kids, but I do find the benefit in lo just slightly longer nails. Because when I have to, right? when I have to, this is going to sound horrible, especially comparing it to kids. Um, I have two cats and I have to open their cans. Dude, kids are just evolutionized pets. Like I, I say that all the time. Like it's. Like the only difference is society frowns upon me putting a bowl on the floor and just leaving them for a few hours. I mean, if we could, hey, we would. If we could, if we could, yeah, yeah just so they'll figure out. They're very smart. We don't give them the credit they deserve. All right, so we did he's it. occupied. He might interrupt us at different points. We but. did it. It's okay. No, it's good. <laughs> and and just to go back, like, no, don't you don't apologize. Like, I did something that didn't sit well with you at that moment. And again, like mm -hmm. you have again, like that. <laughs> I put it on the bed. It's right there. He's like, where'd you put it? Where did you put the puzzle? Oh, you know, speaking slight, slight digression, but it's in line with the topic. So I've acquired the, where is it? I can't find it superpower oh. where if I go and I look for it, it's there. And they're like, how did you find it? And I'm just like, I don't even know how I found it, but it's here. It, it's that superpower where like, they're going to ask you for it. And it's like, si lo encuentro, que te hago, right? You know, that whole Mexican I, I used that line in English before, but I don't yeah. do anything to them. Cause yeah. I mean, I will get into that topic later, but you know, I'll just be like, look, if I find it, I, and you know, there's not going to be a consequence, so to speak, but I'm like, look, if I find it, I'll find it. And so then he, it's usually him. I mean, I speak, I speak to Jack in almost the same manner as him. So when I find it, I'll tell them like, okay, this is where I found it. Do you understand why I found it right here? Like, it's more just like getting them to understand rather than threatening them. Right. But I acquired that superpower. It's pretty amazing. It is. And it makes it a lot easier for you too. Like now you know where everything is. Most of the time. Most of the yes. time. But we'll just say that you know where everything is just for the sake of when, when your kids listen to this in like 15 years, it'd be like, Oh, she doesn't know where some of this stuff is. Now they're going to hide stuff from you on purpose. That way it's like, oh, she doesn't. That's going to be your kryptonite. This episode could be your kryptonite. Well, I mean, <laughs> not really, but we'll, we'll get into it now. Going back to me being un disrespectfully mean or no. no reason mean to you. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't disrespectful, right? Like I, I knew the boundaries, right? And, and I kind of figured like, okay, it, and to be fair to you too, like you had a long day. So that's, that's <laughs> fine. Bit. Like, it's not, it's not anything that, like, I feel insulted or I feel hurt. Because, uh -huh. like, I mean, for one reason, I mean, you're on the podcast. It seems like we get along just fine, <laughs> for one. So I guess so. Yeah. And, and there's that respect that I have for you. Because, again, it's like, I think to think of you as a Twitter mom is, like, I know you're, you're somebody who's mature. And we, I have to point out that I am an, a year older than you. Oh, yeah, I think we figured this out the, the, the last time that we saw each other. I was like, wait a second, how old are you? Because I thought you were not relatively older than me, but I figured you were like somewhat older than me. And then we just <laughs> found out it was just a year. So then there was there was like a quick little like like snippet of like, 
you know, that's actually one of the reasons that I respect you is that like there's a there's definitely a tennis match. There's a there's a really quick back and forth that doesn't happen. You can't find it very often with people. <laughs> no, and it's great. Like we we have that uh, those personalities that can really bounce off of each other, and it's, it's a lot of fun, right? And especially like if people watch like how we go back and forth on Twitter, and although it may not be all that often, but it's there. It's it's again like a good again a mutual respect that we have, and to think of you as somebody that I can kind of look to, even though even though I may be older, I think it says more about your maturity rather than anything, right? Like, I, I think that's just kind of how I see it. And uh-huh. a lot of that is obviously, like, from where you came from and you have two boys. And and <laughs> and and you also, you know, you went to school and you had to go through all these things with, you know, raising the boys. So you, you and you have, is that Ollie there in the background? Yeah, he's just he does this thing where he he knows that I mean we've been in we've been in quarantine. We've been in quarantine for like a year now. He knows when I'm on a call and he's like deliberately like annoying about it. Hey, you know what's gonna happen, right? You know what happens when you make this choice? It means no pizza. What happens? There's a consequence, right? Okay, thank you. So he knows at this point, like, he know, I mean, I, I don't know if you saw it, right? But like the only time I've ever been on TV, I told them like, there's a chance, like I tell everybody, there's a chance he will come into this shot. And I think they were so, they were so nice. And the producer, um, the Cooligans, Alexis and, and Christian, like they're, even the producer was like super nice. He's like, no, 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 that was great. And all this stuff. I'm like, no, it wasn't. It was terrible. He's, he won't shut up. I'm so sorry. No. Well, I mean, look, it, it's real, right? You, you have kids. They're going to. I, I, in our own ways, when we're little, we, we act up and want that attention. And when we know that there's other people watching, you know, there, there's two ways of thinking. The kid's either going to be really shy or they're going to suddenly become really outgoing. Right? Like, that's that's just how it is. Right? Like, that's just... Yeah, Ollie has enough energy from... Because Jack and I are super chill people. Like, <laughs> like I know we I know I'm bantery, right? But on the grand scheme of things, like, I'm very just, like in to myself and you know um you know with jack it was like there was quiet because we learned to communicate in other forms rather than verbally and then ollie got here and he was like all right i'm gonna pick up where you guys never even started (laughs) whatever but it's really interesting that you and you're not the first person to tell me that right like this admiration for the things that i'm able to do and and in one sense, I'm very, I mean, it's its very flattering. It's very validating, right? It's like, oh, thanks for, for noticing the stuff that I do. Um, and and on the other sense, it's like, I almost feel like kind of impostery because like, I, I'm not doing anything that I'm not supposed to do, if that makes sense. Like, I'm not, it's like, there are moms that I see that they're like making three meals a day and, you know, taking their kids out for activities and all this stuff. Not to say that I don't do those things for my kids. But I almost, I almost feel like I'm doing you guys a disservice, um, whoever you may be, whether it's like you people that compliment me and being like, you know, I, I, I have to do these things. I mean, I, I want to do them for the good of what they're going to do. But it's not like I'm like, I want to be the best mom ever. It's more just like, well, I have to do these things because if not, who's going to do them? You know what I mean? And that's always kind of been like, not like a setback, but it's like whenever you guys, whenever like someone compliments me, compliments me, I'll say like, oh, well, thank you so much. But I'll, you know, I'll, I'll transparently tell you, I'm like, eh, well, I mean, I have to do it. So, 
No, and and it's funny that you mentioned imposter imposter syndrome because we I talked about it with Todd in episode one because I think we all have kind of that sense where yeah maybe we're outgoing and maybe people see us as outgoing and doing all these different things but sometimes you just sit there to yourself and you're like these compliments are really weird because it just feels like I'm doing what I'm supposed to do and they're making it seem like I'm going like way above beyond like I'm some some sort of superhero. It's because, well, like you're not even first generation. You're like straight, like you're the generation. And then like whatever kids or, you know, like relatives you have will be technically first generation, right? Because you were born in Tijuana. Right. Yeah. So I think, and so I say, I preface it with that because I I don't want to speak for you, but I think there's something very specific about like children of immigrants or children of people that migrated here to the U.S. from a different country. Um, because for me, I call it the butt syndrome where you're like, where you're kind of told good job, but so you're always like, you're, you're Mm -hmm. like, that's, and that's honestly one of the reasons why, um, I kind of like raise my children the way that I do, Mm -hmm. because I, I, I want them to understand who I, who I am completely like, sure, I'm your mom but I'm a person who messes up a lot or I'm a person that deals with her own mental hurdles, whatever it is. Right. And I think that that's, that's how, I think that's where it comes from. Like, right. Like, like you said, like we do so many things because it's like, okay, well, but, or, well, this is what I did when I was little, you know, this is what I had to do when I was super little. And you're just like, I, I, what, what at what point am I going to be enough? for my parents or right. whoever it is right as like first generation or as like non or like maybe even more specifically for both of us as mexican americans right? right we're just like what else do i have to do to be like whole and i don't think we i don't and not and not in like a really cynical way but i feel like we will probably never find it because we're just constantly that tug and pull all the time yeah and just to kind of like uh go back to a point that you made about you know being immigrants or or the parent or the children of immigrants i come from a very kind of interesting background and this is like obviously we're not interviewing me i I just figured this kind of an important point um is my dad was born and raised in san diego right and i mean that's right next to tijuana so he's half white half mexican he's had a college degree like he got everything right like he he worked for it on his own because he he came from a very very uh a family with not a lot of money. You can say poor. It's okay. We're allowed to say poor because we've been poor. <laughs> so he, he, yeah, he came from a poor family. When when I was born, obviously my mom is from Tijuana. Uh, he was living there at the time, and so we came over here to the Coachella Valley, the palm, the desert. You know, of all places, why not just stay in San Diego? Uh, and uh, <laughs> I was raised here, so I had like this really kind of different background because. I am still the child of immigrants. I still have, you know, the the vacuna, the 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 shot that you get as. Oh, as, you've got your. Yeah, you've I, got. Huh. Yeah, I have mine. I have mine. This is such a. Oh my god, this is so. This is such a petty. Like I, I literally, or not literally. That's such a California thing to say. But I, <laughs> I, I envy that mark so badly as a Mexican American. I have. Like, it's just like, that's how you know you're Mexican. Like, that's your Mexican mark. And it's really, it's really funny because this part of the conversation that I actually want to get to as well is, you know, you're a soccer journalist, you're a podcast uh, host, producer, you do all this stuff. And 
throughout the pandemic, because I've obviously followed your work as it is already, but it feels like during the pandemic, you kind of had like this meteoric rise where you started getting featured on like some really awesome things. The Cooligans, Football with Grant Wall, Telemundo Deportes, and I mean, even um, the one that you did with uh, Telemundo, and they had that surprise video from Rebecca Lowe, which was oh, so like just amazing. And I went back to watch it the other day, um, obviously research purposes. And it's like, that's like just really amazing. And it kind of just shows like how much you're respected and all of the work that you've put together in everything that you've done. I don't want to say that you've had, you know, any negative circumstances, but you've had hurdles, right? Like you've had hurdles that you had to get through to be able to get where you are right now. And you still, again, have uh, succeeded and you had raising two growing boys and it's just absolutely amazing. And it was funny in that Telemundo Deportes segment, you mentioned that because of the shock, you kind of, you were losing your Spanish. Yeah. Right. Because again, like as English and Spanish speakers, we kind of think in two minds. Yes. Sometimes like you, you, you try to switch from one to the other to try to like get words, right? Like, I don't know if that happens to you. Yeah. Um, but that happens to me all the time. And I thought it was amazing for one, like how great your Spanish is. Because if I, if it were me, I would have like, I'm like total pocho. I can speak Spanish, but I will stumble. Like for sure, I will stumble. Well, it's just the practice. Like how, well, I, I, I don't even want to tell you because honestly, like you got the mark, man. Like, I don't even want to tell you nothing. <laughs> I don't want to criticize you. Like you've got, you've got uh, seniority in this, but like how often would you say that, that you practice it? Cause mine was, I mean, honestly, I, I, I've said this before. I think I said it one time on another podcast. Like I give so much credit to my, uh, before I like really took this on full time or from the pandemic, um, I used to work at a at a dental office. So I was like, you know, side gigging it with the soccer stuff and then still working at the dental office. And so there you work with a lot of his, sometimes uh, a lot of Hispanic, uh, you know, like dental assistants and front office right. people. Um, Cause we were in Inglewood, which is uh, a huge population mm-hmm. of it is, you know, Hispanic or Latinx people. They spoke a lot of Spanish and I would try to, and they would make, they, some of them would make fun of me, <laughs> but one particular front office coworker, and now she's my friend, cause I still talk to her to this day. Her name is Flor. She told me, she's like, look, do you actually want to learn how to speak Spanish? And I was like, well, yeah, like I try, I just, it's not there. And she's like, all right, I'll correct you, but you need to understand that I'm not making fun of you. I'm doing this so that you improve your Spanish. And she goes, so just, just, just feel confident in knowing that even if you mess up, I'm, I'm doing this for, for a good thing. I'm not doing it to make fun of you. And it was really that moment where she said that to me that I was like, oh, okay, cool. I'll just keep speaking Spanish. Like what's the worst that'll happen? You know, it's kind of like how our parents learn how to speak English, you know, like they just, like, they just did it and eventually they'll figure it out. And that's how, that's how, to the point when I did the Telemundo thing, um, the producers themselves were like, hey, if you have to switch over to English, that's totally fine because we want that. We want to show that like bilingual audience that it's okay to go back and forth. Cause I know people still have like really huge discourses between like Spanglish and not being right. able to talk about it. But I mean, it is what it is. We're gonna, we're, we're going to figure out what we're trying to tell each other in whatever <laughs> case. So it's even gotten to the point where there's another group of really great, um, soccer they do it in spanish they cover primarily women's sports and then specifically mexican women's soccer uh the campeonas uh colleagues 
that they tell <laughs> that one of them told me too she's like hey can I can I correct your your writing in Spanish? She's like, because you speak it really well, but when you're in the group chat, you mess up your words sometimes. I was like, yeah, <laughs> dude, I, I totally don't mind. So now I've kind of gotten to the point where I feel like slightly more confident in speaking Spanish, but the writing is just like a whole nother ballgame, like in and of itself. But I mean, you were born in it. What do you think? Like what at what point? Because it happens to all of us, right? There's just a point where like you stop speaking it. And for me, it was what i want to say from like 12 until i was like 25 i think yeah i i would say so like once you start really getting into like the nitty-gritty of grade school right and, and you go away from uh being in bilingual classes to strictly english yeah you, you you lose it and i mean my mom speaks spanish primarily spanish my dad speaks english but he does speak fluent spanish and then my in-laws only speak spanish yeah right like they understand english and they can speak a little bit of, they can speak it a little bit, but I'm surrounded a lot by Spanish speakers. And the Palm Springs area, I mean, the Coachella Valley, you start talking about Indio, Coachella, all those cities on the eastern side, it's primarily Hispanic. Yeah. So there's definitely always need for employees, whether it be when I worked at McDonald's or American Eagle, you need Spanish speakers. And they right? said, Alex, you, you, you <laughs> go help. <laughs> espanol go over there please <laughs> and it's like okay but i mean it's useful right like it gets you through but what's really awesome about your coworkers and other colleagues is that i think for a lot of us that again would quote unquote assimilate and stop speaking spanish and obviously our primary language of use is english and yeah. we start using our native language we kind of get we kind of get put down by other Spanish speakers because yeah. you, you start messing up, you stumble. And that's why I think maybe I lost it quite a bit because I didn't want to speak it because I was too embarrassed. I I knew that at some point I would get made fun of. Yeah. I think when you have people like a support system around you, whether like, especially at in a workplace that goes such a long way and it allows you to kind of grow and, and be confident in speaking it that way you can learn and learn from those mistakes because it's so important to be bilingual, that know as many languages as you can. People really need to value speaking more than one language. Yeah, I think, and, and I say that like completely aware of like, even in home, like I'm probably the only person that continuously, and at this point it's kind of for my job, right? Cause I'm always trying to speak to people like with Mexican mm -hmm. women's soccer, um, you know, a lot of the players can only speak English. I mean, only speak Spanish. And so you kind of just have to do it. I mean, there was like a point where we got a player, um, her name's Alison Gonzalez, and we were able to interview her. And we do, my co-host my co and I, Adriana, do do it in English, but she only speaks Spanish. And so we made that choice, like, hey, we should just do this interview because it's a huge opportunity. She actually just got named number three in the top 10, like, next generation players for gold.com, which is, like, huge in the world. Um, but we just did it. And so I told her, I was like, I even told Allison, I was like, you know, I, I can speak it, but there are going to be times where I just mess up a word or something. And she was just like, oh, no, it's totally fine. Like, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to figure it out. And I think that that's where we as, and not just us as like Mexican Americans, I think even Mexicans, like, like full native Mexicans that only speak Spanish, we're, we do that, right? We're either scared of like that different thing, or we're, I don't want to say ignorant, but more like stubborn to it, right? Like it, it right. comes, it comes to that. Like you're going to understand what I'm trying to say, 
you're going to figure mm-hmm. out what I'm trying to say. And I, and I, and it also comes from that experience that I have with my son, who's nonverbal. I'm going to figure out how we're supposed to communicate. We just have to keep practicing at it and we'll figure each other out because like my brothers, my, my two younger brothers don't really speak it that much. Um, and then my older brother probably speaks it a little bit better than them, but because I practice it more consistently, I, I've now become like the better Spanish speaker. But for a long time, we dealt with that internally, right? Like, why are you speaking Spanish? It's not even that good and blah, blah, blah. Until you just, until you just kind of accept like, well, I have to, or I want to, or like we just said, we have those people that invite us and tell us, you know, it's okay. If you're messing up, we'll figure it out together. And yeah, it just, yeah. I think it's it's so necessary to be able to have people like that. And yeah. again, it helps you grow. And la, la raza, sometimes, you know, we have those divides, right? Like, you're, how Mexican are you, right? And and it's, it's, really, it's really divisive. And it really sucks. Because even like, again, like I have, I have my shot and you, you may be jealous of it. But sometimes it's not enough for True. people. Because for one, like, I don't speak perfect Spanish. Right. Yeah. And so people are like, oh, you're you're not that Mexican. And it's like and sometimes it's like Mexicans that were born here. I'm like, bruh, I am literally more Mexican on paper than you. <laughs> so, I mean, but I don't want to get into that divisiveness. It's just it sucks. I think that's I think there's a really great opportunity for discourse if people are willing to have it, though. I think that's the mm-hmm. road. I think that's the roadblock we face consistently, because it's actually funny that you mentioned it, because um, for the Olympic qualifiers, um, it's the younger youth, right? It's but mm. Mexico and the U.S. were in the same group. For those of you who are listening to, this. Um, and they faced off against each other in a not so important but kind of important game, um, whatever you know, for their group stage matches. Now they're heading into the semifinals in in separate matches, but there was, I guess, there was something that happened, right? Where like the discourse online ended up being that, like, and it's it's been going on forever, not just in this game, right? But Mexican Americans you know, for that go for the U.S. men's national or for the U.S. national team and then those that go for Mexico. And I think there's a really good there's a really good opportunity to have a discussion about that because it oh it does feel like tug and pull. Right. I definitely that enjoy. But I I definitely raise an eyebrow when I meet a Mexican that goes for the U.S. national team Not because I'm like super judging them, but I'm just like, I would like to understand why. (laughs) Right. And and, I mean, then we grew up or like I did specifically grow up with, you know, sometimes it was Mexicans or sometimes it was American people that were like, wait, you were born here. Why do you go for, you know, the team that's from an entirely different country? Um, so yeah, I, th- I think from a soccer standpoint, I mean, that's a discussion we can have for hours about, you know, why, why we do this decisiveness to us, but it really is just more of anything, an opportunity for, for a really good discussion that we just fail to have more than we should. Yeah. And I mean, that could go for just about anything, right? Like discourse is important in general. We have to be able to listen to each other in order to understand a little bit. Right. And, and one of the things that uh, you talk about a lot is obviously you do talk about Jack a lot and his progress. And for those that don't know you, uh, Jack is on the autism spectrum. He's nonverbal. It's always amazing to see the progress that you post on, whether it be your Instagram story or on Twitter. And it's awesome. And again, you have to juggle all these things and you have to work with your son on his growth. Right. And you have to go through like the IEPs and, there's so much that you have to do work with um, the behavioral therapists, right? Yeah. And my wife was a behavioral therapist for a little bit. 
And the one oh, thing no that she, yeah, the one thing that she absolutely hated because she loved the kids. She loved the kids. The problem was almost always the parents. I'm just imagining this, and and I kind of want to get your perspective. Like sitting there as a parent, it's difficult because there's so much that you want to do. And there's like certain ways that you can only do things, right? Like you're kind of restricted almost in a way. So yes, yes. But I, oh, you know, what's funny is that, and I think I, I don't want to speak for all the all parents with autism or, or anything like that. I think it does, it goes back to just what we're having that discussion about. It's like, or even as a parent, you know, cause I know how you said, like, I have to juggle Jack and I, I, I don't mean to, to correct you. Cause I know what you're getting at. And I know the intention mm -hmm. of you saying that. But I have to raise both of them, you know, right. like, like no, no parent has the same child. And I think that that's what I my my least favorite and, and, you know, my least favorite line, and I don't hear it as much anymore. So I'm not going to say like, I'm constantly bombarded by it. But is the I don't know what I would do if I was in your shoes or, or you know, that like slightly condescending, like, oh, my God, you do amazing stuff with Jack. I can't believe that you can do that. When it goes back to like, well, like, what else am I supposed to do? You know, like, like as a parent, you're you're learning to raise, but not own another human being, right? So that human being doesn't come with a manual. I mean, that's so cliche, but right, they don't come mm -hmm. with a manual, and they, regardless of if my child was whatever he was, like, I'm just gonna have to figure out how to how to manage that. You know, like, I mean, Ollie's making noise, but left and right in, in this thing, but I, we have to, we're managing it. We're going to have to manage it. And it's and going back to like the imposter syndrome too. That's something that they continuously tell me in like my parent meetings, they go, your participation is amazing. And I'm like, well, I'm, I have to, what am I supposed <laughs> to do with, you know, what am I so, and it, it is, I mean, it is difficult. I'm not going to say that they don't have specific needs, right? I, with with Jack, something that we continuously keep going, even with his good ABA therapy, is the tantrums. The tantrums are a really specific thing because, um, you know, they they have to learn. I call it like dog whispering for for children on the spectrum. You know, like they, the therapist and that system that they've learned to use is like a blueprint of how to figure out how to how to not control them. I hate that word, but how to help help them tolerate like specific things. Um, and so with that, it's just knowing that there's an end point to it or know that it's like for the better. And I think that's huge when it comes to the participation for the parents, like what's the end goal here? What are we trying to get at? But I think that's parenting in general. You know, I think if as a parent, if you're trying to control your kid, regardless if your kid's on the spectrum or not, you're going to have issues with them. That's just, that's right. just the fact of the matter. So, and especially, you know, masks with kids on the, on the spectrum, I think so. There are moments that you know he's really extreme or we have to deal with it and it'll go on for like an hour but we know he's gonna get tired or we know that he's gonna he's gonna calm down and he's and he's maturing he's actually matured a lot with his age like he actually somehow or not somehow right like he's ugh, i hate this word but he's like developed his emotions or like the way he's supposed to at normal limits the way that they phrase it you know it's it's just a matter of like doing it you know it's just a matter of like okay what are we trying to do what are we trying to accomplish you know and that's something in my personal opinion IEP should exist for all children we should give the attention and the needs of every child 
in the same like in the same manner so to speak like every child learns differently and a good teacher will learn hey this kid is very outspoken so let me try to you know exemplify those strengths and let me do something different with them it's the exact same thing for parenting in my opinion and i don't even do it that well so imagine like super good parents don't sell yourself short the people that look at you and tell you you're doing a good job you know there's a reason for that right and also i'm always open to being corrected because especially like i'm not an expert in any of this so if if there's a way that i should uh address actually you know what this. you did really good and i'll give you a compliment more than anything else you didn't say disorder i i, I genuinely do not enjoy that term because it makes it a, it makes it feel like there's something wrong with it. and he just you know he got his he got his 5g a lot earlier than the rest of us he's he's way ahead of us and like again like and and you make a kind of like this really illuminating point where you have to raise the boys the same way like they're both there and you can't do like obviously there's going to be differences right because you have to follow the ieps and you still have to do things but you still have to go ahead and raise these two boys that's yeah. just how it is and it's still it's still amazing at, because again like um you are you are a single mom you do have your support system with your family and you're still doing all the soccer stuff you did you're you've done so much in media and it's just impressive. I honestly think the 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 secret. It's not a secret, but you know, for sh for the sake of sharing, I I really I don't only do the soccer stuff because it's my work. I really I feel like when I ended up doing all these additional projects, I mean, even including this podcast, frankly, it's it's like one of the very few like times where I just don't have. I mean, I even laughed because you said like we're not going to talk about soccer as the title of this, <laughs> but it is like those. It's like those those moments, especially in quarantine, where I get to interact with other human beings. So if I'm talking about if I'm podcasting with somebody or if I'm talking about soccer, if I have these opportunities, thankfully they have for some reason popped up during quarantine, right? But for me, soccer really has always been like the escape. In fact, when I got pregnant with Jack. That was one of the things I really noticed that was like disconnected from me. Like I was blogging, you know, but mm -hmm. I was like, I haven't played soccer like his whole first year or his whole year and a half that he was born. Wow. And even before that, you know, ironically enough, I found out I was pregnant because I was playing soccer and I was like, you know what? I think I should stop because there's a chance that there's something living inside me. <laughs> and so I oh, went man. that same day. No, no joke. I went that same day to like, it's not a Planned Parenthood. It was just like a local clinic over here. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I think I need to take a test. Like I was literally in the middle of playing like a soccer, like pickup soccer. I think it was like winter break from college, like my sophomore year of college. And I was like playing pickup soccer and I was like running and you can't feel anything. It's a club of cells, you know what I mean? But I was just like running and I was like, you know what? I gotta know, I gotta know right now. And so like, I went like, guys, I'll see you later. I'm done playing. And then I just went. Um, so soccer is really, it literally is my escape. I mean, I'm, I'm branching out more because now that it's becoming my job, I feel kind of like, okay, now it's becoming work. You know, I mean, you know, so when you do something you really love that, that passion's always there, but you're like, I love you, but I need, I need space away from you too. And so now I'm, I'm kind of diving into like, what else do I really like to do? And it's kind of aligned with soccer. I really like, like running or just like exercise and stuff. So now I like, I try to do that too. I'm like, okay, let me give myself 15 to 20 minutes. As long as I've exercised at least like four times a week for 15 to 20 minutes, I'm like, okay, I have that. And that helps me 
feel better. I still, we still have our bad days, but it's just those little things. And I think for me, soccer was really just during this quarantine, I was like, I have to, I have to do something for me. And it's very hard as a single parent to do little things for yourself, but it's, it's been a decent balance. You know, it's been a decent balance because the kids have to have their structure you know, they have to go to school. It hasn't been perfect in the quarantine. I mean, my God, mm. <laughs> I have to go to another <laughs> attendance meeting. But, uh, you know, they, they still need their structure. And especially with um, with Jack's therapy sessions and, you know, parent meetings that I have to go to and everything. It's it's a balance, but we get through it every day. That's just part of everyday life. And I don't think I, well, I know I haven't asked you this, but what was the first event that you ever got credentialed to? <laughs> so the first event I ever got, so there's, the first thing I ever did as press was for myself, actually. Um, it was, I was actually pregnant with Ollie. It was when Mexico faced Ecuador in at the Coliseum, like mm. 2015, early 2015. And so I was like, you know, there's a, there's a time between signing up for the credential and then possibly right. going to the, like the other external things. So I had had like a guest speaker that was actually like that worked at the Coliseum at one of my classes. And so I realized like, what if I try to go to the game? Like not knowing how the entire process is at all. <laughs> so I emailed that lady and she's like, okay, email this person. So I told her like, oh, I'm a student at USC. I want to cover Mexican soccer after I graduate. What can I do? And she's like, well, you can't go to the game. And I was like, dang it. And she's like, well, you can go to the practice. So I went to the pra I went to their practice at UCLA. And that was like the first oh, thing man. I ever did. And then I, I didn't have my own equipment. So I asked like my... I asked like the like media center people like, mm -hmm. hey, you know how Mexico's playing on Saturday? I can do a package about that if you care. And so they were like, well, we we don't want to do like a whole thing because like not who cares, but you could tell that. And so like, right. so just get B-roll and we'll we'll put it as part of the, you know, like uh, USC has like ATVN, like the news channel format. So like, we'll put it as B-roll and let people know that this game is going to be played and stuff. So I was like, okay. So that was the first thing I ever did, like ever as like a journalist. I went, I had like this little, I was by myself. My hair was a mess. Um, Cause people always like to point out what my, I, I, I have that for my mom. Siempre nunca te peinas, right? So I still, <laughs> I always know that. I'm like, my hair was a mess that day. Um, but I actually met Rodolfo Landeros that day. Um, wow. Yeah, he was actually being like super nice to everybody and he was just like shaking hands. So I, I remember saying hi to him and be like, oh, I kind of want to do what you do one day. And ironically enough, that same day, I, you know, he was nice to me, like before the practice started, you know how it is. Like you go to practice, you watch them for 15 minutes and they're like, all right, everybody get out. Um, <laughs> so I, since he did that, I went to talk to him after the 15 minutes were done. And I told him like, is it hard to learn how to speak Spanish? And we had like a quick 10 minute discussion. Cause I was like, you know, I was looking at all the people and there weren't a lot of women at that point, or maybe I wasn't paying attention either, but I was like, you know, in my in my senior in college mind, I was like, there's not a lot of people doing this in English. I don't think I can do this in English. What if I just do it in Spanish? So then that's when I had the 10 minute discussion with Landeros and, you know, fast forward to like that middle part where I was like, no, I can't do this in Spanish. You know, at that point, I was like, I can't do it. Like, I know in my heart, I can't do it. And I, I don't want to do a disservice and be inauthentic trying to do it in Spanish when I know that's not what I want to do. So then I started blogging. Um, and then that's when I ended up getting the internship with the Mexican soccer show and Footmex Nation. And from there, 
is where Wiesel told me like, hey, do you want to come to Phoenix and cover the Copa America Mexico versus Uruguay match? And so I was like, yeah, I'll go. So my first like official match is actually a Co- is Copa America Mexico versus Uruguay in Phoenix in wow. 2016. That is amazing. That that's really cool. Just starting with with the game and covering a practice. One of the stories that I tell is obviously like I I do everything independently. Mm-hmm. So. I tell like when students ask me like how how did you get started I'm like it start, it all started with a blog. Yeah. That was it. Like that that's just kind of how it rolls nowadays, right? Like you or go a po- to school I for think journalism. it's podcasting now. Oh, uh, that's also true. So I, I tell them cuz I teach radio production, right? So I tell them get a podcast, right? And yeah. if you could do both, oh, you're on your way to like a lot of great things and then if you add video to that, yeah. You're set. Yeah. You're absolutely set. So it's but that's amazing because it starts off with something so simple and like started from the bottom. Now we hear type of stuff. <laughs> and it's, it's just awesome. And I was going to ask you too, because um, if you haven't gone to your Instagram page for whoever's listening, you get to see all of these cool places that you've been to over the, over the years. And you got to go to the world cup in, in Russia and you mm-hmm. went as a fan, right? You, you went, to go enjoy the games, but I think you did some work as well, I imagine. Yeah, so we we were, you know, we we went into it, um, you know, that whole experience, technically having to go as like, yeah, fans and in the seats, but we were there to kind of uh, monitor, I guess, highlight the fan experience, so to speak. So, you know, we did a really cool partnership with Wells Fargo and just kind of showing how, how significant Mexico fans are because we're everywhere. Um, so it was a, a really cool opportunity and serendipitously enough, um, I didn't say this to anybody like there, you know, but I thought it in my head because right, I meet Rodolfo Landeros at that first practice with Ollie in my belly. I mean, I think I, I, I like, I was apparently pregnant too. So like, I think I hit it too. Like I wore like an oversized shirt and like a cardigan so that it, you couldn't tell. <laughs> right. Cause in my mind, you know, back then. Um, so I met him there and I'm talking to him. And so that happens. And then fast forward and I'm with Tom Wieso and uh, John Arnold. He's a writer for gold or used to be a writer for gold.com. Now he's also independent, does a really great newsletter um, about CONCACAF. We're sitting at like a, we're sitting at like, yeah, I think it's like a bar in Rostov. I want to say it was before the South Korea game. No, it was before the Sweden game. I think I forget where, I forget where we were. Um, Ekaterinburg. I can't remember now. It's been so long. But anyway, <laughs> point is, we're at this bar, right? And in walks in the the Fox people. Yeah, the Fox people, the Fox sports people. And Landeros is with them. And at this point, like, you know, you, you know, you know, when you go to, to games, like you say hi to people, but what chance do you think they actually know who you are? Right? It's, right. it's it is what it is. It's the name of the game. But anyway, he walks up to us and I assume it's for Tom because everybody knows Tom Marshall. And so he's like, what's up, Tom? What's up, John? What's up, Wiso? And he says, what's up, Melia? And I was just like, like, I didn't tell <laughs> anybody this. I did tell them like, oh, he knows my name. And they're like, yeah, why wouldn't they know? Why wouldn't he know your name? But in my head, it was really, it really was like, oh my God. Like, I wonder, I almost felt in that moment. I wonder if he remembers speaking to me like four years ago or three years ago at that, at that practice. A long time ago it was a really crazy like bizarre surreal moment for me no that's that's so awesome like you're on the other side of the world and you have this experience like a few years prior you're in la you that's your first encounter and then years later he knows your name 
he, he more than likely because what I've noticed with uh, soccer media, they it's there's a lot of support, right? I feel like there's a lot of support from within, and of course, there's going to be some divides. That's normal in in, yeah. in media. That it's it can still be cutthroat, but I think soccer media is a lot friendlier than other that I've seen. In, it's very integrated. Like the like the networking abilities within soccer dive into each other a lot where, you know, you shouldn't burn any bridges because not so much that mm-hmm. you're going to need, you're going to use somebody, right? But it's like the international competitions or anything is 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 constantly happening there more than any other sport or any other region. Um that yeah, I, that, yeah, like you said, it's very integrated. So you end up like, oh, you know about Mexican soccer. Oh, you know about English soccer. Oh, you know about this player who played for, you know, Galaxy or Seattle, whatever. And so that, yeah, that culminates a lot really often. It's been so nice to be able to take part in it because, again, like yourself and, and your colleague Cesar, Tom, like they've always been super nice. And I've spoken to Cesar multiple times over the last few years. So for you, as you've made your way up as a Mexican-American female, single mom, you have a lot to work through because there's stigmas, right? Like there's always negative stigmas that even as as a female, you have to get through in, in media. Have you faced anything like that? Like, do you feel like directly like you've had this like negative experience or just anything of that sort? You know what? To be completely honest, I and I say this knowing that it is not at all the norm like there i my whatever things i faced and there's been there's probably been maybe like five or six i want to say you know that it doesn't even it doesn't even amount to what other women have had to face in this industry and and i but i say that because i think a lot of it has to do with the people that i work with specifically and i have to give them an immense shout out because you're i mean you're talking about them and i can definitely attest to you know cesar Wiso, tom they they acknowledged my my power i guess so to speak as a woman they never made me feel less you know what I, you know what i mean and frankly speaking i think it was the fact that you know these these people who had already been doing english language soccer for many years before i joined them claiming that respect in that that particular field english language mexican soccer because there's a handful of us there's like there's dozen of us right there's a dozen of us they were you know they were they were they were they were up there in that sphere and so for them to graciously allow me to be part of them and respect me and not you know not not ever do anything weird or unusual or anything like that it kind of became a very good barrier for no one else to disrespect me or ever do anything and that like i said there's been little there's been little i guess the term is microaggressions you know there's been little like hey, please don't put your hand there. You know, hey, we're in a scrum. Don't do this. <laughs> yep. You know, one thing that I faced, and it's a, it's improving as time goes on, but it's being called niña by like Spanish colleagues, Spanish language colleagues, you oh, know? Yes. And it's like, uh, no, please. But, the, and, but even those were like really early on where I didn't have the capacity or, and I say this personally, right? I didn't have the vo- the, the power or like the confidence to be like, hey, don't, don't say that. You know, I'm not, I'm not a niña. Please don't put your hands there. Or even that, you know, there was one instance, I hope he doesn't mind me sharing this. There was one instance where 
you know, says that actually saw something happen. And I kind of internalized it as women do often. We're like, oh, you know, that just happened, whatever, you know, and you move on to the next thing where he came up to me afterward and he was like, hey, I saw that. Are you okay? And I kind of just went, oh, well, I mean, thank you for noticing that. But yeah, I'm fine, you know? And he was like, okay, you know, that was weird, right? And I was like, yeah, that was weird. And we had a little discussion about it. And I felt like super validated about it. So I think, you know, like we say, women are not, women are at the forefront. You have to give us that, or like any marginalized group, right? You you do have to give us a seat at the table or you do have to make that table available to us. But it's not our job to to say that. It's the job of the, the, the people with the power. It's, it's up to men to be like, hey, listen to this person. And I think the guys have done a super fantastic job in just like always doing that for me, where where even though that's even even though that hasn't happened to me that doesn't mean i'm not going to speak up for like other women that have had to deal with that and we'll have those discussions right we'll have those discussions not just with them but just in general with people where they go well you know you've never had to deal with that i'm like yeah but that doesn't mean it doesn't happen and i think that's where the dis you know any discourse is constantly that's where the progress lies in like those discussions having to be had it's never happened to me per- professionally i honestly think all the really huge significant hurdles i've ever had to face around a personal level and luckily i deal with those in my own way right right and and it's important to have those allies to be able to give you that seat at the table i would say like being able is not really the right term at the end of the day it's it, it, they should it's all about equity just the guys that we've been mentioning they're just so amazing they've always been like the nicest dudes and you can tell it comes from a genuine place and that respect that that you've brought to yourself as a journalist at the end of the day it, you don't need to have all that to prove in order to be respected from the get-go right so i, I do think that's amazing and and again every time we have to be allies we have to be allies and we have to make those opportunities available to everyone like at that's just period yeah, because I, I think the most important thing that I, and I speak about this from the, as, as a voice of the Mexican soccer show, as a voice of Foot Mex Nation, because, you know, Foot Mex Nation specifically does a lot to try to, like, give a voice to that Mexican-American English language fan. And whenever we have to do something, whenever we have to do, like, different pa- campaigns or something, you know, Wiso and I, we always say it's not about, like, what we want to do. It's about, like, what's the right thing to do. And I think that that is a, that's always been a crucial point of, like the work that we do because now with me specifically we've branched out into mexican women's soccer you know it's very new it's only been around for about four years but there are huge discussions there because mexico as a culture we do we i mean just in general we do have to deal a lot with misogyny sexism you know just a lot of those different things that when we're talking about players, right? It's that discussion. Why are they girls and not women? Where's the age line for that? You know, and so you're, I feel very, I feel very comfortable having those tough conversations with them and then having this platform where we continue to have those conversations or sometimes we'll have players on and they'll have their conversations about what they're having to deal with, um, which is really, which is really cool. Like you said, you know, right? It's, it's, it's just that, it's that, it's that willingness to have a conversation about what's the right thing to do not so much how is it going to make me feel what is you know what is the right thing to do and that's something that even in like my parenting you know I have to be willing to acknowledge that something that I did wasn't right 
and they might be five, they might be seven, but it's that, it's that accountability. You know, I think that's something that we deal with, like even with cancel culture, it's like, we're not trying to cancel you, but you're just fighting the fact that you did something wrong so much that nobody's going to want to work with you or nobody's going to want to digest your content or nobody's going to want to listen to your music, et cetera, et cetera. It's just that accountability that I think people really struggle with and i'm not saying i'm perfect because i definitely deal with it deal with it too you know i didn't even know that i was having a bad day that day and i, I didn't know i was wrong that day but uh yeah it's it, it's exhausting to try to tell people to just like respect or do the right thing in like the culmination of everything right and so i'm gonna kind of end this with a two-part question so the yeah. first would be what would you recommend for especially us men to be allies and just to give more women an opportunity to speak to say it just happens in in Mexican culture is wrong. It happens in every culture, right? But there's, you know, that there's still that misogyny, something that we still struggle with. And hopefully we're evolving to the point where we're getting rid of it. Right. Eventually it'll be less, less ingrained. Right. So that would be the first part. The second part would be, what would you tell young children and specifically girls who want to break into the industry? Um, I think the first question is answers the second or largely influences the second because I think men need to just continue to work on understanding the privileges that they possess and understanding the different dynamics that go with it because it's very it's very hard and slightly uh stereotypical i guess in the sense where i can't give you a direct answer because all the situations that you'll face or that women will face as they confront men about these things change between days between weeks between eras and what's at the forefront of it all is just respect so I, I think with that, for children mm-hmm. or young people coming up in the industry, it's just feeling very confident about where you stand, about what you're able to do, and looking for the right table to create and who's going to sit in it. You know, I think that who you surround yourself with is very important. And if those people are not validating you or correcting you or critiquing you in a very constructive way, it right. becomes a lot harder. I think that I've had the great fortune to be surrounded by people that will edit things, direct me in ways that help me improve rather than make me feel inferior. So I think as long as you have that, you're uh, you're in a good start. You have a good way to go. No, I, I appreciate all of that, uh, all that insight, because again, like you've paved your way as, you know, much better than I probably would have ever been able to do that because it's, you have that work ethic that, many people miss it's that thing where like what i've noticed when i first started getting like credentials and stuff i would have people reach out to me it's like oh how do you get into that you know like how do you do that and then i explain to them and it's like nah bro like i'd rather not right and sometimes to be able to go to those cool events you have to do all the nitty-gritty before that you have to do the preparation you have to write all these uh articles like analyzing one player against the other or why has a team not performed what the way that it's expected to it's a lot of work it's a lot of work before you can go ahead and do the fun stuff yeah and i think that's the not just gender specific i think that's a huge thing for just like the aspiring journalist right is like you're going to have to do it for yourself because especially in the women's sports <laughs> spectrum they don't, you know, we're still trying to coverage 
yours. And if it's something that you really care about, you know, sometimes you have to turn it into a side gig. Sometimes you don't. But mm-hmm. if you really care about it and you feel like this deserves news, you're just going to have to do it for yourself, which goes back into what you said, blogging, podcasting, whatever it may be. Both you and I, it all started with a blog. <laughs> yeah. Well, Amy, I appreciate you so, so much. And again, like I, I respect you immensely, like all the work that you do to strong young boys that you're raising. That's why one of the big reasons why I wanted to bring you on because you're one of those people that goes above and beyond again, that respect that I have for you and you just do so many amazing things. So just want to let you know that. And, you know, again, I appreciate you uh, being on and make sure right now that you plug yourself and plug all your work. That way people know where to find you. But before I do, I haven't gotten this reference. And so I just want to say, I am a huge fan as always of your rice companies that are in. Always. Always. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. So I'm at, at Azteca Melia on all social media platforms. Um, you can find obviously the Mexican soccer show at the Mexican soccer show on all social platforms as well um, at Footmix Nation. And then within Footmix Nation, you can look for the Our Football Podcast if you're into Mexican women's soccer. Yeah. And then I, I have to plug my TikTok, I guess, because uh, I, I enjoy it and it's not it's not great quality. But if you're into that, you can go check that out. too. Well, thank you so much, Amy. And we're gonna have to do this again sometime for sure. That brings us to the end of yet another episode of Candidly Human. Thank you so much for sticking around and thank you to Amelia Lopez for being our second guest. Super awesome. Make sure you follow all of her work. Don't forget to check out candidlyhuman.com. There you can find all of our podcasts and wherever the podcast is provided. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, among others. It's super awesome. So make sure you go to candidlyhuman.com. Follow on Facebook. Just look up Candidly Human or on Twitter and Instagram at CandidlyHumanUS. Follow me, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or even on Twitch, The Real Satarina. It's all the same. Pretty simple, right? So make sure you tune in next time. I'm Alex Satarain, and this was Candidly Human. Thank you.